Hey everyone, welcome to the Get Your Life Together Girl podcast, the ultimate blueprint to self-love and inner peace. I'm your host, Danielle Van. As a cognitive behavioral therapist, life coach, meditation teacher, and author, I've spent my life studying and learning from the stories that make us human. It's my passion and goal to help you shift your mindset and create a lifelong revolution by teaching you about mental health, emotional intelligence, and grounded ways to simply get your life together. Three words, emotional self-abandonment. Ugh, it hits you right in the gut, doesn't it? Emotional self-abandonment happens when you feel neglected, ignored, or dismissed by the significant people in your life, like a parent, partner, or your closest friend. When this feeling grows large enough, it takes over and leads you into feeling alone, inadequate, small, disconnected, lacking of self-worth and trust and a host of other negatives. So today, you and I are taking a one-on-one deep dive into why we self-abandon as we piggyback on feeling disconnected and staying with ourselves that we've been talking about over the last two weeks. We are simply trying to build a better feeling you. And in order to do so, we have to emotionally be connected. So let's not waste another moment. The Get Your Life Together Girl podcast starts right now. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about staying with ourselves or having a hard time trusting ourselves, hiding parts of the self, whether that's feelings, beliefs, ideas, whatever it is, to fit in, to show up, to be a part of whatever it is that we're engaging in. But when we abandon ourselves, we don't value ourselves at our highest, and then we don't act in our best interest, and we don't encourage or comfort ourselves because we're so busy diminishing and discounting our feelings, saying that we don't matter or no one ever listens to us, that we get in our own way. Self-abandonment, especially emotional self-abandonment, is a very destructive habit. And like most things, it's best if we can root out the why, root out the behavior. And for most people, emotional self-abandonment can be traced back to your childhood. Now, again, we're not diagnosing here. I'm just letting you know that if you grew up in any form of chaos or a dangerous environment, any kind of major trauma or minor trauma, for that matter, dysfunction or where your parents just weren't there, you probably learned really easily, very quickly at an early age that you have to minimize your own struggle and meet your own emotional needs because the people that were supposed to do it for you can't or won't. There's another factor to all of this. When we have those kind of environments growing up, we can also learn to take shape however we need to. So meaning that we bend and twist our personality in order for us to feel safe in the moment. We become sort of chameleons, right? The behavior usually allows us to feel like we're in control of ourselves, but it doesn't stop. When we hit our teenage years or even get into adulthood, the behavior is so then ingrained, subconscious, really, 
that it impacts our adulthood and our relationships and the way we show up. Self-abandoned behaviors, you know, they range in different scopes. Really depends on what you grew up in. It depends on what caused the behavior to begin with. But it can be everything from the limiting beliefs about your self-worth to struggling with anxiety. Simply put, you learn to suppress your emotions and your needs, and we tend to try to seek validation through the doing because we do not deserve love and compassion like someone else. It's a very difficult experience. We morph into different roles. We try to keep the peace. We avoid put downs and physical and emotional pain. We learn the behavior and we engage in it in ways that do not serve us. So let's break down some of the signs, of course, not all, but some of the bigger ones of what self-abandonment, especially emotional self-abandonment looks like. Again, a non-exhausted list, but the common symptoms. First one is suppressing your emotions, right? So we're emotionally abandoning and that means that we're suppressing. It's here that we become very out of touch with our true emotions, often deliberately, right? As an unhealthy coping mechanism. You may have heard me talk about coping mechanisms before. I actually don't hate them. They have a bad rap. However, there is a difference between positive, healthy coping mechanisms and unhealthy. Anytime we do not allow an emotion to hit us, to be felt, to witness and experience it, it's an unhealthy coping mechanism. Suppressing and how that suppression looks is different for everyone, but you can really probably lean into some very distinct ones that you already know. Drinking too much, drugs, any activity that distracts you long enough that you do not feel what's happening around you. Social media is a big one, right? Like if I just scroll endlessly, I'll forget my troubles. Doesn't really work, but a lot of people do it. Binge watching, Netflix and chill, that's one. Gambling, online video games, all of these things can be the mechanisms in which we suppress the emotion. We all know that emotions are not facts, but they are impulses that are guiding us to look at certain situations. They really are there to keep us safe. So if you are suppressing, you're actually taking away the control in ways that you haven't even really identified. And I want you to really think about that. This is not something most people point out. If I suppress the emotion, I do not allow it to be touched. I take away the control mechanism that's trying to guide me. It's okay to sit in your emotions, but this is a major sign of self-abandonment especially emotional self-abandonment. The next one is people-pleasing. Look, people-pleasing is a very hot topic. It's a hot button for a lot of people. And we (laughs) struggle with it, right? Because deeply, we don't want to be disapproved by other people, right? We're going to go to great lengths to blend in, to feel accepted, to feel like we're a part of something bigger. But when we abandon our true selves in the process, we're not allowing ourselves to be genuine, to be authentic, 
when we emotionally disconnect, you're going to hear yourself apologizing more often for things that don't even belong to you. It's this excess blame of the self. You feel like a burden for everything that you do or don't do. You can't say no. You're uncomfortable if somebody's upset with you. You act like the people around you. Again, back to that chameleon thought. You need praise to feel good. You go to great lengths to avoid conflict. And you will not admit when your feelings are hurt. You're showing up so that you chronically avoid conflict. And every time you do that, you take a step back further and further from the self. You take a step back from the emotional self. It's no surprise that one of the biggest indicators of self-abandonment is driven by your desire to control the outcome of the interactions that you have and to avoid uncomfortable situations. Isn't it interesting? Again, back to the emotional understanding that when I avoid, I actually remove control. It's counterproductive. As a people pleaser, we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And when we give that in a way that does not allow our full selves to be seen, we take the emotion, we take the self, and we put it on the sideline. The next one on the list really comes through when we're talking about people pleasing and emotionally taking ourselves out of the game. And that is hiding who you really are, right? I said not being able to show up authentically. When we hide, what that means is we're unwilling to express our opinions, our interests, our emotions, because we are afraid of rejection. You are too preoccupied with blending in and not rocking that boat that we're, you know, somewhat always on. <laughs> and you really put your biggest priority in becoming whatever it is that makes everybody else happy. Your biggest priority is not to diminish yourself so that you're most acceptable in any situation. You are meant to be the person you are, regardless of the group regardless of the moment, so that you can authentically live your life. The next one on this list actually goes hand in hand with this. All of it really does, right? They are all the next step of each other. But this is abandoning your values, which means that you're acting in a certain way that goes against what you fundamentally believe. You are rejecting this core aspect of yourself in order to make other people happy Often what happens with this, though, is that we feel an emotion that is very nasty and we, we take the emotion out of it, right, to abandon the values. And then we get hit with the nasty, nasty emotions that really have a hard time being suppressed. And that's guilt and fear. What if someone finds out you actually don't agree? What if they see through you? Guilt takes over. How could I think that? How could I say that? How could I feel that way in that moment? Fear of being seen. And so we don't want to abandon our values ever, right? Never. But we would certainly want to realize that if we are, we are emotionally self-abandoning on every level. The next one is to have a lack of boundaries, Ugh, right? <laughs> Poor boundaries 
are the reason so many self-abandoners struggle with relationships and end up in repeated patterns. Repeated patterns of what, <laughs> right? What are we talking about? Yeah, things from your childhood, <laughs> right? Oftentimes, when we don't set boundaries, we draw in the people we prefer not to surround ourselves with. I have lots of ladies that come and sit in front of me and they'll say, I keep ending up in these narcissistic relationships. And we talk then about the narcissistic people in their lives, but they can't make the leap between the two. They ignore their boundaries in order to give more. They ignore themselves so that they can be liked. But guess what? We end up with disrespect, hurt, disappointment. We have a hard time putting things into their correct buckets and we struggle across the board. So if your boundaries are really weak and you're not maintaining, guess what? You're abandoning yourself. Now to the next one and actually the last one on our list, again, a, a collective list is perfectionism. I know this is going to sound very logical, but we don't put these two together. Low self-worth goes hand in hand with self-abandonment. If I don't think very much of myself, it's very, very likely that I am not staying with myself. And when you struggle with being confident and believing in yourself, you're more likely to become a perfectionist who is never satisfied with anything that you do. I know I used to be this person. It is nasty because alongside unhealthy perfectionism, you're probably going to be overcritical, not only on yourself, but everyone else. You rarely see your accomplishments. You look at everything as a failure and you get stuck in a loop of constantly moving the goalpost for your success so that you can never live up to your own standards. There's never a way to really own to bring in the accomplishments. That's sad. That is so sad. I know for myself, I lived like this for so long because I always felt like I needed to raise the bar. I always felt like I needed to be more in order to meet some kind of standard that would make the people around me love me more. And guess what? It doesn't work. It only takes you away from living a grounded and beautiful life. It is an ultimate form of self-abandonment. There are a few others I'm going to toss out, but again, not really wanting to go into them for the interest of time. And we want to talk about how we get out of this pattern, right? And emotionally connect. But, you know, self-criticism and judgment that really goes hand in hand with perfectionism, not honoring your needs, not really speaking up for yourself, always falling into codependent relationships. This is a big one. And then also not trusting your instincts. So second guessing yourself is a big, big thing. Now, I do not want to dismiss this fact because I think it's extremely important because I want to take the guilt, blame and shame out of this. Because guess what? There are times when all of us have done this. But I want you to think about this way. Sometimes self-abandonment is a way of survival, okay? So I want that to be on the table now because sometimes that's really helpful, right? 
And it gives us this space of finding freedom from the environment in which we are living by just kind of turning off, building the wall and keeping our blinders up. It's safety, it's protection. But if you're in a space where you are safe, know that those ways of survival are still active and they are brilliant at attracting toxic relationships and making that codependency a big thing like we just talked about and giving us unhealthy patterns that impact the mental and emotional well-being. And while it's very helpful for us to understand, like I said in the beginning, get down to the root of where this stems from, sometimes we can just witness it and then try to foster a healthy relationship with ourselves that doesn't necessarily have to be fully rooted. Of course, it's better to work with a therapist, to work with somebody who's qualified to help you understand why you do what you do. But if you can't, let's talk about the steps to get back into emotional reconnection with the self as we've been talking about not abandoning and learning to stay with the self. That was last week's episode. If you didn't hear it, go back and listen to it. It was with Jessica Amos. So many beautiful drops of wisdom in that. Staying with yourself is her key term, and I just love it so much. And so credit to Jessica for that. But let's talk about getting out of the self-abandonment. And the first one is to reconnect with your feelings and your needs. When you've spent a long time abandoning the self, it's very difficult to allow space, permission, and time for your needs and your feelings to be felt. A lot of times when we self-abandoned, it's very difficult for you to figure out what it feels like. And even it's difficult to know what you need at that point. When I'm working with someone, I'll often say, you know, what makes you feel or what makes you, you know, upset or what makes you happy? And I'm generally met with the first amount of resistance of, I don't know. I need to think about that. I'm not sure. I really don't have enough clarity at the moment. And that's completely normal. It's completely normal, right? Identifying your needs or even what you want is challenging. It's not always easy, especially when you have put your emotions off to the side, you've suppressed them, you've emotionally disconnected, or you've abandoned yourself altogether. But the key here is look for space, permission, and time to go within. Reflecting on what your feelings actually mean to you. I've said this over and over again, if you've been a longtime listener here of the podcast, is that my definitions of my emotions are different than yours. We have a scale, kind of this, you know, um, set guideline that we have of emotions, and we have 22 of them on there. And I'm going to put them into the show notes so that you can download and connect to those and really begin your own emotional definitions. This is a very powerful exercise. If you've never done it, it's very important. If you work with me directly, it's one of the very first things that we do because we have to understand where we're coming from, right? So if you give yourself time and you give yourself space and permission to reflect on your feelings, on your emotional definitions, it gives you an understanding of what you value in your life. You get into a place that you can ask those qualifying discovery questions like, what brings me joy? 
You can ask yourself, you know, what do I like? What do I dislike? What is it that I want and what don't I want? This is a full-time kind of experience, right? It's not going to happen overnight. If your mindset has been disconnected, it's going to take some effort to foster a connected mindset. There's no rush to it. I often am asked a very pointed question, how long is it going to take me to heal? Or how long is it going to take me to feel better? And I can't ever answer that question, and neither can you, right? Real connection is fostered. The healing process is where you allow yourself to get back in contact with yourself and figure out what's important and what works for you. It doesn't just happen at a snap of the fingers. Now, the decision, the permission can happen overnight, but the actual processing of reconnecting to our feelings is an action that takes some experience, that takes some effort, that takes some accountability really, is placing value on the self. That's really what you're doing. And let's go a little deeper with this. How can we connect to the emotion? And that's simply by asking, what do I feel? Am I feeling? And if I am, what is it? This is the reconnection point. It's about awareness, okay? You know what it feels like to not be connected. What would it feel like if you were Once you kind of drum that image, that thought process up in your head, go with it. Allow yourself, again, that time and space to create it, the permission. Reconnect. In that reconnection, practice self-compassion. Now, (laughs) before you turn this off and say, whatever with self-compassion, I need you to understand what I'm talking about. I already told you we all experience negative feelings and we all have a tendency to immediately dismiss our experiences. And what I'm talking about when we're talking about self-compassion is to be compassionate with the self and allow yourself to check in and know how you're feeling, treating ourselves like a friend, right? I don't love the word that's about to come out of my mouth, but it's the word that keeps popping into my head. So bear with me for those who (laughs) really hate this word. But the word is suffering. If you're suffering in your feelings, meaning there doesn't feel like there's an out, it's very painful, the experience is hard, then you have to kind of look at, am I treating myself fairly? Is this a feeling that I need to address? You know, feeling sad or lonely, that's one thing. You can be compassionate in that. You know, I feel sad. That's easier. It's softer. It's, it has some kind of movement to it. You don't have to change your reality. You just have to really simply be in the moment. But when we have really deep, hard feelings that we're disconnecting to emotionally, we have to embrace those uncomfortable things. We have to remember that the emotion is the impulse trying to guide us into understanding our experience. And if it is an impulse, it's not trying to hurt us. It's trying to guide us. So can you be compassionate? Can you say, I need to give myself permission to feel this? If you do so, it is an extremely liberating experience. 
it is a very interesting thing to feel and be okay in the feeling, right? If you have self-abandoned, you've dropped your emotions off on the side of the road, it's very difficult to have compassion for them. You've disconnected. You've said, no, thank you. I'm not interested. When you embrace this and say, I'm okay being uncomfortable, what is this feeling? Uh, It's anger. What does anger mean to me? Remember going back to our definitions. Can I make space for the anger? Yes, I can. What is this anger trying to direct me towards? How am I interpreting it? And can I find some softness in it? If I can find softness in the feeling, I can be okay with the self. I can allow myself to sit. When you have self-compassion, you don't beat yourself up too much. You don't let the negative rumination take everything down. We don't feel like everything's a mistake or a failure or regret our entire life. We don't push ourselves to the limits. We prioritize the feeling. We give ourselves that space that I was just talking about. We take care of ourselves. We do not get so exhausted and tied to our moments that we refuse to offer kindness. We look at every moment with love and connectivity instead of lacking in depth and meaning. We don't just say, yeah, it is what it is, a saying that I absolutely hate. Instead, We decide to feel calm and peace. We create that in our mindset. We create healthy internal and external boundaries. We get comfortable in the displeasure of things because there's something for us in it. We set a time for ourselves to really lean into our needs so that we don't become so overwhelmed and exhausted. We give ourselves check-in points to know that, hey, guess what? I have the ability to take care of myself. And here's the evidence. I'm checking in. When we do that, there's such great benefits to that self-compassion, greater happiness, connection, optimism, a greater mood, more motivation and willingness to be intentional and to put initiative into everything that we do think and feel. We have increased curiosity, this learning, this exploration of the self, which speaks to connectivity, right? We're more agreeable with our life. We're certainly more conscious, and we are certainly more willing to stand up and live our lives. Every time we take ourselves out, we say no. Every time we take ourselves out, We do not do a good job staying connected to the self. It's okay to be connected to the self. It's what we need. It's what we desire. It's how we actually create a very beautiful experience. The next way to break this disconnection is to learn to say no (laughs) and mean it. Put it in practice. It sounds really simple. It has really hard, rough, around the edges implications, and I know that. But when you say no, you say no. And when you say yes, you say yes. 
And remember that every no comes with a result. As a result of figuring out step one, which remember is reconnecting to your needs and your feelings, you have to be willing to say no to something that's in the way, to the people pleasing, to making sure everyone else is taken care of. And in that, you have to say yes to yourself. By learning what you need, how you feel, what you value, you offer yourself clarity and knowledge as to what you want in your life and what you want to get out of your life. I talk so much about legacy. You've heard me talk about it. What kind of emotional legacy do you want to live? What do you want to create? When we've learned to self-abandon, we have been taught that we're not allowed to put ourselves in first position. This is such a big thing, right? Such a big thing. I belong in first position, and yet I've been taught to put myself in last position, and these two feel like an oxymoron, and I don't know where to put my value and my place. And I'm going to tell you that you are allowed to say no and yes, however it is that works best for you. You are not going to lose the people that actually find value in you because you say no. You're just not. If you lose people because of a no or a yes, it's because you are not doing what works best for them. Understand that. They're saying your value in my life is the end result in which you produce for me. And that's not having a relationship with anyone. Okay? It's hard. It feels nasty. It feels dirty. But you need to understand that the people who are willing to embrace your boundaries and embrace your no are the same people who are willing to support you when you are down. And they're willing to stand by you and clap for you when you're up. Those are the kind of people that you want in your life. And you start in really simple ways. You begin to say no or say yes to the small things. Would you like to go out tonight? You can say no. Even if part of you doesn't really care yes or no, but you're kind of tired, try to assert yourself. Look within and say, what do I really want here? No, I don't want to do that. If it is a downright no, say it and then follow it up with immediate action. If you're not sure, if it's not an immediate yes or it's not an immediate no, it's a, you know what, let me get back to you. It's okay to say that too. A person who is willing to abandon themselves all the time is going to say yes immediately without thinking about the implications. The solution here is to say no, right? During times that you don't have time and you're putting everything off to the side, take a moment, ask yourself, what do I need and what do I want? I said this in an episode that's coming up soon, and it was the first time I'd ever mentioned it on the podcast, so now this will be the first time that I mention it. But when I do my morning to-do list, I don't call it a to-do list anymore. I call it the self-assignment. And the reason why I say that is this is what I'm assigning myself. These are the tasks. These are my yeses and my no's, my whys. If somebody else adds to my self-assignment, it goes on my paper on the other side of my list. And it is 
the we assignment or the they assignment. It's the things that maybe my husband or my kids or my office or whoever needs something of me that is not my assigned task. I have a choice in that other assigned task if I am going to say yes or no. You have a choice. This is a good place to start. What is your self-assignment? What's your their assignment? And are you going to say yes or no? Very simple, hard to do. The biggest thing is this. Self-abandonment usually stems, again, from the past. It brings up the neglect. It teaches us to ignore our feelings. Learning to reconnect is practicing self-compassion, saying no, and understanding your emotional value. It's very beautiful to believe in yourself. It's beautiful to have the habit of saying yes. It's beautiful to be able to say, this is a learned behavior that is not serving me. And with enough time and effort, I can step back and choose something that's better for me. First step, decide you're going to quit abandoning yourself. Give yourself time to process and confront the moments where you're turning your back on yourself. Oh, that hurts, doesn't it? By self-abandoning, you're turning your back on yourself. And if you decide to get mad, mourn it. If you decide that this is absolutely crazy, that you've spent so much time letting go of yourself because of the past, mourn it. Turn your attention to the role that you've played now in this creation because of the past. Breaking the pattern of the past can only be done when you identify it and see how it's showing up now. Are you ignoring your own red flags? Overcoming self-abandonment also means to love thyself. It is so important for you to reconnect to your emotions and recognize that you cannot run. You have to listen. Naturally, nothing is going to change overnight. Underneath self-abandonment lies other things that have been there for quite some time. So now you get to do something about it. And when you do, that is the essential step into getting your life together. Thank you so much for listening to the Get Your Life Together Girl podcast. If you've enjoyed these tips for bettering your life and are seeking daily inspiration and additional tools and tips, you can follow me on social media at Get Your Life Together Girl on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Flapper, and now Threads. You can also visit the show notes, my blog, and my website, including a cool new merch store at GetYourLifeTogetherGirl.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a family member or friend as it helps us spread this message to those who need it. Don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss another episode of the Get Your Life Together Girl podcast. Until next time, be kind to yourself and others.
you need parts, O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.